We are back. I'm Mike. Tommy's on the other end. It's the Brolytically Correct podcast. It's that time of the year. I've got allergies going on. I've also got braces. So if you're a listener, I apologize for your ear holes. But we are coming up on Memorial Day. One of the, let's say, top three holidays in the United States. Top three? I'd, I'd argue Did with that. that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're going to go against no, it? No, no, no. I'd argue for it. Yeah. Memorial okay. Day, 4th of July. What's your third, though? Are you going? You're not a big Christian guy, so probably not Christmas. Thanksgiving? Um, For, for me, it's actually Armistice Day, a.k.a. Veterans okay. Day. Uh, that's a, yeah, um, good for you. 11, 11, 11. Easy to remember. 11, 11. Always easy to remember. Yep. Always the easy to remember. The end of World War I. Yep. Um... Memorial Day 2, and I'll, I'll get into why, because it just holds a special place in my heart. Not because also, I mean, uh, the obvious reasons are there, right? Um, honoring those who've made the ultimate sacrifice for our country and our freedoms. But then also the official opening of Las Vegas Pool Ooh. Weekend. Um, I mean, that's just... Should we power rank the pool scene in Las Vegas? <laughs> Oh, we can definitely okay. power rank right. the pool scene. And, and let's throw a caveat in there. I have not been back to Vegas in... I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but it was when Robbie Lawler fought Rory McDonald, and I have not um, put my... dipped my toe into the tepid waters of the Las Vegas pool scene in you know, a couple of years beyond tepid, that. Tepid so water is a nice it, way to put it. There are many <laughs> other adjectives you could describe for the quality of that water, but tepid will go with tepid at the moment. Yeah, speaking of the quality Jeez. of that water, um, th- this one. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was I was at jujitsu, and uh, I got just my lip got mangled while I was in jujitsu, and I had the kind of an open cut where I had bit um, my bottom lip with my. Please teeth. don't tell me you went swimming in a Vegas pool after that. Went to a yeah. Vegas pool after that. Guess who had to get two shots of penicillin in the ass? This Man. guy. This guy you probably right started here. a whole new strain. Not a fun time. Yeah, I went to sleep that night, um, woke up almost sober, and uh, my lip was gigantic. And I was like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> You're patient zero for a new Supermax chlamydia. <laughs> so, something yeah. like that. Let's not use chlamydia because I'm offended by that. But um, yeah, the Vegas water is not the... Don't dip your head. Don't. It's it's a bad move. I don't know how it happened. Maybe I did dip my head. Don't don't go. Don't put anything above your neck below the water. I think that's safe to say. Duly noted. So ranking the Las Vegas pool club scene. Where have you been in the pool club? Wet Republic, Encore Beach Club, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like the normal pools from like Treasure Island, Mandalay Bay. And then you ever do rehab at the Hard Rock? No, I haven't. No. But I don't. So I went for my twenty-first birthday, and believe it or not, some of the memories are a little murky, and I can't remember all the details. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, I don't know how that w- worked. But so I was actually thinking about this the other day. I can't remember. I may or may not have been at a topless pool in the Mandalay Bay. I don't know if it was real or not, and I don't know if it was maybe just a regular pool and things got a little out of hand. But is there a topless pool at Mandalay Bay? <laughs> 
I've been meaning. There's a topless pool with a mirage. Huh. I'm pretty sure. Are you getting those two confused? It's possible. They both start with an M. They both start yeah, with an M. Could, They're both kind of tropical themed almost. Maybe it was the mirage. Because back there they got the they got the dolphins. They had yeah. uh, Siegfried and Roy's tigers. Okay. Know. Maybe. But also maybe not. So those are my that's my pool experience in the, on the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> you know, another um you know, alternative, I guess, pool club is Sapphires, the Ooh. strip club down ah, there. I didn't know they had a, a pool nice there. Little pool. Yep. Uh, Mikey Vegas. <laughs> got the inside info. Mikey promoter. Um, yeah, Mikey promoter, definitely. So I rankings, let's go. Hello. I mean, so what are you looking for in a Las Vegas pool? Let's start with me? that. Me what personally? are you looking for when you go there? Yeah, what elements? Uh, in this stage of my life, I want to be 2,000 miles away. But if I was to go, or a younger <laughs> Tommy, he was looking for, I mean, just debauchery, but controlled debauchery. Okay, that is debauchery number one. Yeah, controlled, controlled debauchery. Very that's, that's key. Very key. And that's what Vegas does very well. Key. Vegas, I will give it to Vegas. They do control debauchery very well. They hide a lot of the stuff you don't want to see very well. So big ups to Vegas. It's that. It's uh, it's a good it's a good ratio. Guy to girl ratio is a big one. It's people that are there from out of town that are just looking for a nice fun Vegas weekend. It's uh, mm-hmm. maybe a big time mm-hmm. DJ on stage, just up there to press play and make five hundred thousand dollars. And those are kind of the my what I'm looking for when I'm going on Yelp when I'm looking at these pools. So yeah, for me, and I'll explain it. But number one for me is a quality DJ. Okay. Right. Yep. And and here's why: it's not just about the music, but you know that at a place that has a quality DJ, they there's going to be debauchery, yes. but it's definitely going to be controlled. Right. Definitely going to be controlled. Definitely going to be under wraps. Right. We went to Encore Beach Club once and. My buddy, who will remain nameless, may have gotten a little too intoxicated. Mm. And there is a a pole for dancing, if you will, mm. <laughs> um, at Encore Beach mm. Club on a platform kind of above the pool. And my buddy went up there, and security was on that in a See, heartbeat. They said, good. that pole is not for you, sir. <laughs> not Definitely for not for you. <laughs> it's for strong, proud, independent so, women that are there. exactly and so security was on top of it but at the same time also also understanding and didn't remove him from the club very understanding no pull sometimes they're not so understanding sir or forgiving sometimes they're not sometimes they're looking to inflict harm upon another individual and that that's the highlight of their day but not not that day and not at encore beach club which i appreciate Mm. um so the the dj to me if if you have a big name DJ coming in, that speaks to the quality of your overall experience, you know. So, you know Calvin Harris, I'm I'm going to that because that's that's gonna be awesome. Uh, a local DJ, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, know. might be some shenanigans there. The integrity of your pool experience, mm-hmm. yeah. But so, let's see. So from, and we won't go too far down the rings. Let's just go top. 
five. Top five? We'll go top five. So let me look at my list here. Boom. Boom. boom Does Circus Circus have boom, a pool? Boom. Does Circus Circus have mm-hmm. a pool? Um, you know, I, I feel like I have to say they would have a local DJ. I don't know for sure, but I feel like they have to have a pool, and I feel like there are no DJs. <laughs> Possibly a local DJ. <laughs> but possibly no DJs and just music playing. That could be fun in a weird way. So, and also, I just want to throw the caveat that my pool club rankings are not going to be the same as... I, I was a Vegas local. I lived there for five years. So, I'm I'm coming through that experience and that, that paradigm. So... Just so you know. So what's your number five, if you were to say? Is, hmm. Well, I think I listed all the ones I actually know, which might have only been five. But Surrender and Access, that's a pool scene, right? Yes, that Encore Beach Club, big pool scene. Right. So, hmm. I mean, I think the only three that I've been to are the, the Encore, the Wet Republic, and... The may the Mirage slash Mandalay Bay pool that may or may not exist. So I'd have to put. The <laughs> okay, so so let me start with my number five then. We'll do That's that. probably a better um, idea. Coming in at number five for me on the list, and let me just make sure here. Boom, boom, boom. That's three. Yeah, four, five. So coming in at number five for me is Tau Beach Club. Uh, at the Venetian, solid beach club, most of the time local DJs, um, uh, and that's just just the way it is. Um, but controlled, it, the Venetian, the Palazzo, very classy, class act, cl- classy establishment. They got the gondolas, keep everything under wraps. yeah, they got all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have the nice uh, obelisk. I think they have an obelisk there. Probably a Duomo up front. Um, yeah, they have the the um, indoor shopping center with the sky oh, it's beautiful the ceiling. beautiful mm, mm, very good solid place but yes their beach club number five it doesn't get too crazy there ever um you know more of a relaxed environment not quite uh off the chain uh crazy partying you're probably not gonna see a whole lot of girls um gurgling champagne mm. straight out of the mm. bottle if, if you will say love you yeah number five number five for me number four is gonna be a surprise for a lot of people because because of me being a local and that's the m daydream club down at the m resort wow. a south south strip a very local now spot, are you are that's you why biased it's number one for are you me. a plug and are you still receiving benefits from that <laughs> Location. Full disclosure: I did work for Penn National Gaming and oh, the M Resort for a period of time. <laughs> so, you know, take that with a grain of salt or penicillin or whatever. But um, the reason it is for me number four is because it is a smaller establishment, local DJ. But we, when we were there, we controlled the pool. Whoa. 
we, uh, we ran things when we were there. When when my group of people you were, were there. You were La Cosa Nostra. We, <laughs> Mikey Siegel. It was just a party for us, and everybody else was, you know, there. So that's why I enjoyed it, because it was our, our pool, basically. It felt like, you know, we just had a gigantic pool at somebody's house, and we're having a party there, so... It was easy to influence the local populace mm. to contribute mm. to our party and be a part of it and participate. So Th- that's what I'm going with for number four. Um, number three for me would be Marquee, Las Vegas. Now, they did have a fire on their pool deck. That was pretty unreal <laughs> visual when that video came out. Yeah, pretty intense. That pool is a lot of, what, you know, on like the 20th floor? It's like up there. It's, it's not easy to access 14th, for the, maybe, I don't know, for the world-renowned Las Vegas Fire Department. Yeah, even the ladder truck yeah. had a hard time with that. But um, You can stretch a hose, you can't stretch a yeah. ladder. That's what they say. Solid DJs, solid lineup. Um, Cascade, people like Cascade, Dash Berlin. A lot of trancier DJs. Ca- uh, that was kind of Marquis' go-to, when at least when I was there. It might have changed since then. But... A solid environment, a ample ratio of pool to non-pool area, mm. uh, an ample sized dance floor um, that was not involved in the pool, which I think w- is a plus. That's a good point. You got to have a solid you know, ratio of like the pool slash where you can actually hang out if you're not in the pool. Cabana area, some tables, maybe some chairs. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in the pool the whole time. Mm-hmm. In fact, you really don't ever really want to be in the pool. You just want to be around the pool. Yeah. Eh, depends. Depends. Depends on the situation. Depends on what's going on. I'm, I'd be in the pool quite a bit, personally. But that's just me. And then number two for me was actually the Aria Liquid Pool hmm. Lounge. Now, Aria's Liquid Pool Lounge was an interesting mix because it ha- it was very it, – it wasn't, like, very small, but it was small. It, it kind of reminded me of the Daydream at M, just stepped up to another level because they would sometimes have world-class DJs. It was a smaller environment. Not a lot of people knew about it. It wasn't quite as popular. And so we could still make – the party our party with a world-class dj with the higher class um area and the the bottles and tables were very very affordable hmm. there um for for a group so that's number two if not number one for me in fact i'm i'm switching my rankings Ooh. right now just thinking about it encore beach Breaking club is news. getting moved to number two and uh liquid lounge is moving to number wow. one definitely yeah, liquid. Despite the fact that when I was there, I don't know if people are familiar with City Center, but when it was first built, it was very highly reflective glass. And so I went to the pool the first time and lost the entire upper ring um, from shoulder to sh- shoulder, back of the neck. It all peeled because they had what was called the death ray <laughs> because of the highly ref- reflective glass. And Aria actually had to go and... Um, put a non-reflective surface on the outside of that glass in order to stop, you know, 
frying people like they're ants under a micro or a magnifying glass. So I've got a big bone to pick with your little list you created there. Where's what republic? What republic doesn't quite wow. do it for me, man? Huh? Yeah, it's you're just... too cool for what republic as a local. It, it, I know it's too yeah, mainstream. You're underground. <laughs> you're a little hipster is. Brooklyn Williamsburg club pool guy. Yeah. And maybe this is also why, because Wet Republic, my connections would sometimes fail mm. at Wet Republic because it was so uh. popular and because they were selling such big tables and bottles. So, like I said, the, this whole list is influenced by the paradigm of me being a local, having connections, and being able to get tables and bottles at other mm. places for for cheap, if not free. So. But it it was also just a little too much chaos for me, a little too much over. It the got top. rowdy over there. It's huge. It's gigantic. That that is like their pool is probably the biggest out of all the pool clubs. It's a couple football fields. Would you say? Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. massive. Yeah, and you know, really for me, it wasn't. They didn't have a great area if you didn't have like a table. There wasn't like a dance floor laid out if i'm remembering I don't correctly remember it's just kind of like a bar area and tables yeah big bar there's area no there's no place to interact other than in the pool if you didn't have a table or a cabana i guess as they're called so yeah those are my rankings deal with it encore beach club number two um good djs solid environment a uh, uh, solid dance floor area right in front of the dj booth good pool area i made 42 dollars there once when some um gentlemen who appeared like they were from the middle east had the cocktail waitress bring out a tray with a stacks upon stacks upon stacks of one dollar bills and they made it rain and mikey c himself made 42 dollars from that uh, experience paid for my like four drinks how did you acquire the 42 dollars just collateral damage from when it was skimming just skimming Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was making it rain into the pool. What? It wasn't on anybody. It wasn't like it was just generally making mm. it rain. Maybe it was really hot. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just great experiences there. But Liquid's number one for me. Holds a special place in my heart because of the memories. Well, there so. you have it, folks. The official list. Yep. I don't think we f- quite finished our list of top three holidays. I think we got to Memorial Day and they got sidetracked. Oh, we yeah. did definitely. So, number one for me, Veterans Day, just because of what it symbolizes, and yeah, just the reference time of year. I like November 11th. It's a good time. Um, number two, Memorial Day, because the Vegas pool opening and also what it symbolizes, and number three. Yeah, I don't have mm. a third. It's just one and two. I don't really care about any of the other holidays. So there you go. Why don't you say Fourth of July? What you, what's your Why don't you ranking? Fourth of July. Because I don't really like Fourth really? of July. Don't really like it. Yeah, huh. not a huge fan. Huh. Not a huge fan. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably go Fourth of July, Memorial Day, and then Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yeah. football and right. food. Is yep. that why? Yeah, yeah it's, solid. it's November. Solid pick. Yeah, yeah. November's a solid month. I like it. 
fall. Fall's legit. But what are you a turkey guy or not turkey, turkey. guy? I'm firmly anti-turkey. Yeah, you got, you got deeply seated issues that we probably need to diagnose. It's some problem. <laughs> what are you, a ham guy? I'm a ham guy or I'm a nice roast guy. That seems like you got your holidays mixed up. A nice old prime rib roast? I'm pretty mm. sure that's supposed to be that big holiday in December is the, the roast one. See, I'm a non-traditionalist. Yeah, that's true. You that's know what true. I'm saying? Like, there's, there's some things we just can't fix. <laughs> and here's my problem. Turkey is the most overrated meat of all time. Not if you do there it you right. Go. No. There you go. No. Mm, if you're yeah. just eating like yeah. dry, cold turkey with nothing on it, yeah, maybe. But there's a lot of stuff you can do to help turkey out that makes it a winner. See, but you have to help it out. Not necessarily. If you cook it the right way and it's still juicy, it can it can stand on its own. But yeah, I mean, gravy, mashed potatoes, it all helps. Definitely, but it's tr- I'm just I, it's saying, inherently a dry. Is the worst meat. It's the worst meat. And no, if it's I, I not, think chicken how would be not eating it more often in your regular everyday life because chicken huh? is king. Yeah, because chicken is no, better. No, it's just so easy and cheap and clean. Mm, no, nope, yeah. better. Eh. Uh, fried. Uh, let's do this. Fried turkey, fried chicken. Which one's better? That's different, though. It's a different way of preparing it. I'm just talking your day to day. You're not eating fried chicken every day. That's true, but also if you um, prepare them straight up, just a regular turkey breast, regular chicken breast, which is better? Probably turkey because I eat too much chicken. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> chicken. Chicken is better. It's more flavorful, more juicy. It's just better uh, meat. Agree to disagree. In general. Well, then start eating chicken on Thanksgiving. No, because I'm sticking with the. There's a hierarchy, and birds are at the bottom. Birds are at the bottom. Where does the ham maybe. come in? The the pig comes in first. The ham is above the birds, below below the cow. Yikes. I don't want to hear you power rank your. Do you your disagree? Foods. Do you disagree? I don't want to hear you power rank your foods. We're gonna lose some listeners just based off of principle. <laughs> I mean, cow's number one. Has to. Yeah, the cow's got a lot going on for it. There's a lot of different yeah, parts. A, a diversity of right. cuts. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot going on there, different prices, so all the tax brackets can get in on it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mm-hmm. offend so doesn't pig. offend too many religions, whereas pigs got problems up the wazoo. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. No, cows number one, definitely. Pig number two. Any sort of bird below that. Mm. Turkey all the way down. Are we factoring health at at any point in this? Okay. No, all right. uh-uh. no, absolutely Just not. Just strictly based on Pure taste. Enjoyment. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just like the Las Vegas pool rankings, health is not a factor. Well, that's yeah, it's a different thing entirely. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so great. Anyways. We've ranked uh, pools, holidays. I guess we're just ranking things today. Meats. We're in <laughs> ranking mode. <laughs> this is the ranking yeah. episode. Definitely. Um. Yeah, but outside of rankings, a lot of big things happening in my life, at least personally. A lot of big change. We're moving. We're buying our first place, getting all that set up, and I'm very excited and very happy for the way things are going. And at the same time, kind of sad. I feel like 
<laughs> young crazy Mike. I can't wait to hear this. Would would be disappointed um, with what's going on right now. I feel like. Have you ever seen SLC Punk? No. Should I? Oh yeah. If if you haven't seen SLC Punk, please watch SLC Punk. And if you have seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's a scene at the end. I won't ruin it for you, but uh, basically. So a more mainstream reference, let's go with Tyler Durden. Um, the Tyler Durden aspect of young, crazy Mike's personality would be very disappointed. I am doing the Ikea nesting that Edward Norton starts the movie, you know, elaborating on. I am getting all the things that make my future home feel more like home and spending a good chunk of change on it. And just kind of, you know, kind of makes me want to, you know, buy a van and go live mm. in that for like. What I'm picturing in my head that might be more mainstream reference is the final scene of Goodfellas when Henry Hill is in witness protection out in rural Colorado and he's walking out to the end of his driveway, picking up the newspaper and he just hates everything. He'd almost rather just mm-hmm. take his chances. Mm-hmm going back into the mob and getting murked i think that's where you're at right yeah. now you're going down to and that's not the <laughs> that's not what yeah exactly exactly and that's not the majority of me it's a small piece the majority of me is super stoked for this and like i think the rational side I of you is stoked <laughs> yeah i'm becoming more of an old man every day yeah. i was looking at fine you know um finely crafted leather boots this morning i you know i in this move, I was looking up who my new city council person would be in wow. their stances. <laughs> <laughs> That's real deep. Yep. Pretty soon, I'm going to be tucking all my shirts in and wearing my pants somewhere in between my belly button and my waistline. What time are you eating dinner Not these above days? the belly button. <laughs> I want to talk about it. <laughs> I am going to bed very, very early and waking up very, very yeah. early, so... <laughs> You know, I'm just. How far am I from white New Balance? That's what I, I want to know. I'd be surprised if you're how wearing far? them right now. <laughs> it's just. When did this happen? Within it, the last year. Just, yeah. Definitely. From an outsider's it perspective. Just, it kind of snuck yeah, up on me. That happens. And I didn't realize yeah. it was happening. And, you know, I have two drinks now and I get a little tired. And I want to go home. And it's just. It's just the end of an era. You're going to live the rest of your life like a the schnook. End of an era. <laughs> I believe that was the quote. I don't know if that's a bad problematic term. If it is, then we'll edit that out. But I don't think that – I don't think I've ever heard that used derogatory. Yeah. We, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely derogatory, but well, I not like towards a specific group of people oh, yeah. based upon race. Okay. It's you just – You know, gender. Yeah. It's just a dupe. That's all it is. It's just a general, yeah. like jabroni. Yeah. Well, you know. That might have – <laughs> problematic terms for Italian American immigrants. It's not Are though, you sure? because it was uh is actually coined by the the rock. So oh, I know okay. the the origins of this. Well, term. the rock said it. A jobber hmm. was somebody in wrestling that I don't know something like it threw matches or something. So the rock then went from jobber to jabroni. Hmm. And that's how the term was created. It actually has nothing to do with Italian-Americans, you racist son of a wow. bitch. 
Well, it's oh. just called being cultured. <laughs> so yeah, jabroni. Uh, no ethnic ties to that term whatsoever, unless you count um, WWE fan as an ethnicity. They're mostly just one maybe. ethnicity. <laughs> From my research. Yeah, not a, not a whole not a d- lot of no. diversity at those events, huh? No. Yeah. Mm. I mean, correlation is not causation, but... But also... It's pretty pretty strong right. correlation. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just a little sad on that. And another thing I want to talk about, furniture is way too expensive. What's going on? You got to buy used furniture. Everybody knows that. No way. Not buying You don't want a used couch? Uh-uh. No, I don't. I have a used couch currently. <laughs> and it's time for a new couch. I I've slept have, on that couch. No problems. Uh, that's that's the other thing, too. That I've slept on that couch. You should probably get yeah, rid of that. No problems. Great couch. Um, <laughs> yeah, furniture from all the furniture that I haven't purchased before, I think, is expensive when I've walked through the aisles. Are you going Target? Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. The uh, if, if, you know, we're up in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in Washington. There's a an area in Renton Tukwila that has just like 40 million furniture stores, hmm. at least, at least 40 million. Hmm. And we spent an entire day just going from furniture store to furniture store to furniture oh, store, inspecting sh- the quality, the craft, craftsmanship, the prices. <laughs> <laughs> a once proud civilization. Spent a whole day doing that. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. So we got a, se- a sectional, a bed frame. It's just ridiculous. Those things should be more affordable. The markup has to be insane. For all those furniture stores to exist and still be in business, I think you got the markup has to be out the wazoo. I think you got to know a guy, kind of like your promoter stuff back in Vegas. Maybe if you know a guy in the furniture, he can mm-hmm. kind of give you a little, little insight, little deal. Well, back of the warehouse, they got yeah. like the secret stuff back there. A little forklift. Yeah, I just got, I just got bent over. Yeah, gotta know a forklift guy. There. Like oh, I'm a mo- You know yeah. anyone who drives a forklift? Definitely. That's the guy you want to know, or a female. I don't, I don't know who's driving forklifts these days. Person, the person, the person who's, who's driving, driving a forklift, a forklift yeah. is probably your best point of contact. Probably, ever- probably can just say, "Oh, inventory? Yeah, we never yeah, got no. that. Huh? <laughs> you want this one over here." You don't want that display one. <laughs> it must have, That's for all the it schnooks. It must have fallen off the back of the truck. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Lost in lost in <laughs> delivery. Return to sender. So, yeah, just a little expensive. And, yeah, I just found myself kind of hating the fact that I was in Crate and Barrel or um, West Elm or, you know, whatever, these furniture stores. Was in the Bellevue Ooh. Mall, like the Bellevue. They let you in there? Um, <laughs> yeah, wow. they did apparently. Yeah, and I knew I felt out of place when you're walking by, and they have a Tesla store mm. in Not the a mall. Good sign. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. Yeah, let's just do I some window shopping here. real quick. All right, I could afford the uh, the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, so just just interesting it's interesting to see how i'm evolving as a human being and changing as i get older and it's not you know 
the change isn't all of a sudden. It's a gradual degradation of who I was when I was younger. Are you having a midlife crisis? A bit of a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Is this how this I starts? Think, <laughs> I think I am. I think this is a, a third, a third life crisis. Let's hope. This is where it begins, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a good thing, right? Change, Stability. change is good, I guess. Yeah, stability, m- maturity. Eh, for your line of work, it's good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. L- less wild, which is good, because I definitely made some questionable decisions when I was younger. Yeah. Definitely questionable. A little wild, a little reckless, a little... Uh, I, I acted like I didn't have anything to mm. lose, which wasn't true. You know, that's all gone now. Shaking yeah. it out. There's still 5% or so that's left, and we're slowly chipping away at that. Yep, can't relate. <laughs> yeah, Tommy's out there living like a wild man. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Cool. I'm actually doing the reverse. Very, very stable. The re- And <laughs> <Yeah>. continuing <laughs> to be stable. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So. Cool. That's where we are there. Just con- consistency. Yeah. That's what we like to see. We are what we continuously right. do. Speaking of uh, we are what we continuously do, um, did you see that Donald Trump is considering an emergency declaration to bypass Congress to sell weapons to Saudi Arabia? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah? You're fine. <laughs> You know, I've I've started I've Elaborate. started doing this new thing where when I see new headlines regarding our commander in chief, I just I say to myself, I love this guy and then like I'll read it and then I don't normally stick with that thought, but it's my new thing. I'm just trying to have a more positive approach. Yeah, it's like the uh the Jocko Gold. Yeah. Like good. Jo- if if you're if you're not familiar, Jocko um, is a U.S. Navy former U.S. Navy SEAL who has a podcast, the Jocko Podcast. It's a great podcast. It Highly recommend. But it is, and he tells this story of any time one of his subordinates would come to him with bad news, he'd simply say good, and that that's kind of how his mindset went into it. And you know, it's like uh, mission got canceled. Good uh, gives us more time to train and get better. You know. Didn't get the new uh, but that's high tech weaponry. Several Good. examples. We'll do it the old school way, like we know how to do it. Stuff like that. So, yep. what so, could possibly go wrong yeah, if we a mindset? Yeah, it's a positive mindset. What could go wrong if we sell weapons to Saudi Arabia? Literally nothing, other than them well, using it against us in the future <laughs> and reselling it to ISIS, which could be problematic down the line. But other than that, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, or you know, and you might be sitting there at home and you're like, well, why does Saudi Arabia need weapons right now? What's going on in the world that they need uh, weapons? Iran because seems to be pretty chill right now. This, this, yeah, so even Tommy might be ignorant of this. So it doesn't get covered that much in the news. Um, I doubt it. Saudi Arabia has been kind of at war with Yemen since 2015. And not a lot of people, like, know about that or know what's going on there. But in the old Wikipedia, 
under the Saudi Arabian-led intervention in Yemen, there's a section called Reports of War Crimes. Mm. And there are a couple different uh, headlines within the section, subsections to the section, if you will. And uh, some of those titles might be attacks on facilities read, are run by aid organizations, like uh, Medicine Sans Frontières, which you may also know as Doctors Without Borders. I don't know if that French was uh, – some French people probably just threw we up. We just lost right, a third right of our French listeners. That. Yeah. <laughs> so we lost one out of three. At least. So um, attacks on facilities run by aid organizations such as Doctors Without Borders. Oh, cool. That's that's good. Usage of cluster munitions. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Um, these were internationally outlawed cluster bombs supplied by the USA. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, calls for international independent es- investigations into their humanitarian rights abuses. Alleged use of white phosphorus. Secret prisons. Targeting of wounded and medical personnel. Use of child soldiers. And in addition to all this, about 2.5 million Yemeni. Yemeni? Yemeni. Yeah, I think that's right. Yemeni people have been displaced from their homes since 2015 by this war. And the conditions there are deteriorating so much that they've had outbreaks of certain diseases and many deaths related to that. Such as, like, I think they had an outbreak of cholera. Which, uh, you know, making a comeback. Um, yeah. So, why do the Saudis need these weapons? Oh, this is why. Because they're running a war that uh, creates a lot of human rights, rights abuses. And why yeah, I gotta does be honest. Donald Trump... Oh, go ahead. Finish this one. And why does Donald Trump need to bypass Congress? Because some members of Congress might be aware of it and might have some... Some scruples with, you know, him selling these weapons to the Saudi people who are carrying out these alleged war crimes. So. Do we, I gotta be honest, I, I didn't know about all that. What is the grounds for this war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen? Why isn't Oman involved? Um, There is a coalition, so I don't know if Oman okay, is involved, involved or is not okay. involved. Um, But the... It's basically a regime change for all of the United States. Uh, all kind of. of. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, uh, not all of, <laughs> but in the, in the style of the United gotcha. States. Um, there was a an uprising against the leader. And I don't, I think Saudi Arabia is supporting the incumbent and fighting against the rebels. Okay. So, yeah. And in November 2018, this this will just put a nice bow on it. In November 2018, UNICEF described Yemen as a living hell for Jesus. children, saying that every 10 minutes a child is dying due to preventable diseases as a result of the war. More than 85,000 children under age five may have died of starvation. You know, this doesn't get a whole lot of coverage in the old U.S. of A., huh? No, not a lot of coverage. Not a lot, hmm. you know. You know, this is not, supported by the United not States. Not to pile it on so, Trump, know. and in fact, to kind of do the opposite. Actually, we've our 
his predecessor and his predecessor's predecessor have historically sold weapons to Saudi Arabia in the past. But it seems as if this is taking it a little farther by just bypassing Congress entirely. But the 44th president of the United States of America, President Barack Obama, was very, very familiar with selling arms to Saudi Arabia. In fact, I believe he sold the most of any president within the last 20 years. So it's not the first time this has been done. Definitely. And if this war started in 2015, that was Obama's presidency. Yes, exactly. And our relationship with Saudi Arabia deeply disturbs It's a very murky relationship. I just don't understand why we continue to support a country that has shown... I think, I mean, you understand, like, on paper. Yeah, on, on but paper. But the morality of it, it doesn't work with you. Yeah. I guess just the American people don't care enough. And that's why. But actually, it doesn't matter because, like, we don't really do the will of the people anyway. So, it's not a big concern. It's pretty far away, too. Very far. Very hard to care. To to get yourself to care about children who you don't know are dying and who don't look like you and are in a different place for a lot of people in the United States. So. Yeah, I don't mean to to map shame people or geography shame people because I think there's a lot of things that go into understanding where pe- places are located that some people can and cannot control, but I feel like there's a very very disturbing lack of geography in our country in particular. And I think that negatively affects how we view other countries based off of we just don't know where they are or anything about the countries. Like, I was having yeah. this conversation the other day Definitely. that someone was saying he was dating a Moroccan girl, and, like, the group was like, where's that? <coughs> like, no- oh, North, a- North Africa. Like, oh, she's African. Well, yeah. yeah, North. But I know there's a lot of stuff that goes yeah. into, like, that type of knowledge, so I, I'm not going to shame people, mm-hmm. but it probably wouldn't hurt to whip out a map every now and then. Definitely. And a geographically proportionate map. Because Africa is it's pretty large continent, <laughs> pretty large. People are like, oh, they're yeah, African. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> you can fit like three continents inside of Africa, but yeah, yeah, it's a broad spectrum and diverse range of people from it's, the north to the south, from the east yeah, to the west. It's pretty far from other parts of Africa, but yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, anything that degrades the checks and balances that we put in place in order to ensure that corrupt leaders can't harm our nation. It's probably a bad thing. So bypassing Congress on this seems like doing just that. So not a fan, not a fan, not a fan of selling arms to Saudis, not a fan of bypassing checks and balances. So not a fan of either of those things. And, you know, from one instance of our commander-in-chief trying to bypass other branches of our government to another, we'll update on the Chief Edward Gallagher situation. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, you shortly will. Um, Chief Edward Gallagher, U.S. Navy SEAL, accused of committing war crimes 
allegedly. There's a substantial body of evidence. There are substantial reports from other Navy SEALs. Donald Trump is considering just pardoning him for these war crimes and, you know, bypassing the judicial branch and whatever decision they might make. Um, They haven't made a decision as of yet. But, yep, just considering pardoning him. And it also came out that the lawyer for Chief Edward Gallagher also works for the Trump Organization. Yes, so we covered this story pretty extensively in the last podcast, and I think I was listening to it over again, and I think that that was one of the strong points of, of that last episode. And we did say that we were going to continuously cover this, and what I was reading in the New York Times was that Trump, like you said, was going to pardon without it even going to trial, and I think that would set a scary precedent moving forward with how we handle war crimes. And in last week's episode, I I believe I was supporting Chief Gallagher about as much as I comfortably felt I could. And you just can't blindly pardon somebody without it going to trial, without any type of accountability going into it. Because moving forward, no one's going to feel like they're ever going to be punished for any of their actions. And what we touched upon last week was how difficult and complicated the situation is because of how difficult our service members jobs are overseas and how difficult war and taxing it is and how torturous it is and how much it can change people but there has to be like you said a system of checks and balances and we're not getting that if we just blindly pardon people couldn't agree more And apparently the pardon, allegedly, according to rumors, is supposed to line up with Memorial Day. Yeah, he wants to make it symbolic. It would definitely be symbolic. Definitely be symbolic um, of the degradation of the integrity of our country with this individual as commander-in-chief. Kind of a kind of a real kick in the balls to the memory of all the individuals who died defending this country and did so in an honorable way, adhering to the Geneva Conventions, to rules the rules of engagement, laws of war. Yep. Yeah. Because we used to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And not sink to the level of those we were trying to combat. And I've seen a lot of people... I I believe one GOP congressman even said... In in regard to Chief Edward Gallagher stabbing a wounded, defenseless enemy combatant... To which the Navy SEALs were administering medical aid. As far as I'm concerned... Or as far as I'm concerned, he, he killed a member of ISIS... He's doing his job. The GOP individual said that? Was he yes. from Texas? Um, I want to say Ohio, mm. but let me look. We're going to fact okay. check that. Just um, n- not for nothing. Yeah, we are out there to kill the enemy. 
and the enemy is ISIS or was at that time when they were retaking Mosul. But not only are there rules of war and stating you can't do that, but also there's value in having prisoners of war for intelligence purposes. So there could also be an argument for that as well. Also, while we're fact-checking, when I went back to do my after-action review of the last podcast, I said that Lieutenant Callie from the Milai Massacre did not serve any time. I was incorrect. That's my fault. He did, he did serve two and a half years before he was pardoned by President Nixon, so I wanted to get that straight. He did serve some time before eventually being pardoned. Speaking of death and murder, well, have you heard about the Santa Anita racetrack? No, not at all. I think we covered this a while back, and the problem has not solved itself. Different species being killed, but horses dying left and right at Santa Anita Racetrack without any type of resolution. Jeez. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's weird that we're just like, ah, yeah, just kill them. Right, because they're getting yeah, injured and then they're like put, getting put down, and then yeah. just instant euthanasia. Euthanasia. Yeah, it's interesting that they don't like use them for some other purpose. Nothing. Like, don't we have horse surgeons, equine surgeons? Ooh, nice word there. Don't they exist? Yep, they do. So how come? What's the reasoning behind just like ah, oh, broken leg, pull out the shotgun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know all the, the medical necessity that these horses require, but I feel like you're right. There's There's got to be other ways. Okay, maybe they can't be a prize-winning racehorse, but can't they go on, breed, do other aspects of life as a horse? Yeah, they have all sorts of horse jobs. There's, like, therapy horses. Sure. They could pull the um, – even though I heard the the – conditions for horses who do this are like terrible they could pull buggies at central mm. park they could um you know or just be horses fields just, just kind of hang out eating yeah. grass just be yeah. a horse <laughs> exactly bring back wild horses yeah let's do Old that town road they needed horses for that music video <laughs> put them in there exactly which uh, old town road anyway yeah terrible um I don't know. I don't know the reasoning yeah. behind that. Why they get put down after an injury. And I don't know. It's just weird. You'd think that somebody somewhere would be willing to give those horses a home or take care of them. Or like you said, let them just be wild horses. But apparently oh. not. But in regards to Old Town Road... Did you see that Lil Nas X was offered a sponsorship? No. By who? By Wrangler? Wrangler. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow, nice guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but good for him. Not surprising. Definitely. Yeah, and your reaction is good for him, which, you know, I, I, uh, I'm glad to hear that that was your reaction because there's a large percentage of Americans who did not have that reaction. Mm. And there have been um, emails sent Jeez. And, and sort of a, a movement created to protest Lil Nas X getting a Wrangler sponsorship. He says it in his song. How could you hate that? Other than this color of his skin for some people. Yeah. I, uh, 
how could it not be related to the color of his skin? That's my question to you. What 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 could possibly explain these protests? Uh, I could naive I could naively say facts. some people maybe are just jealous that he's young and getting these endorsements, but it's probably that he's young and African American, which some people will hate to see that. Are any of these emails exposed or what what was their chief complaint? Um, I don't know if they've exposed the emails, yeah. but um, they are like people are saying that they're going to boycott the brand because oh. true cowboys would reportedly never listen to <laughs> Lil Nas X. How do you know? How do you know what a true cowboy would listen to or not? This makes me not want to buy Wrangler jeans anymore, to be honest. The cowboy spirit is nothing to be made fun of, one Instagram commenter wrote online. Make fun of? Wrangler is my favorite pant, and you had to go You had to go and ruin it with Old Town Road. Wow. Is this a bad time? This is probably a good time, actually, to say that I recently purchased a pair of Wrangler jeans. Cowboy cut jeans at that. It's never... It's never a good time to say you recently well, purchased a pair of Well, you didn't let me finish, jeans. nor was I going to finish, but now <laughs> I have to finish. I'm going to a wedding in uh, upstate, not upstate, but north of Boise, Idaho, and it's a cowboy theme. And boy, do I have some pictures from when I put on the entire ensemble that are just going to blow your mind because I'm going full cowboy. Full cowboy. It's, wow. It's what the doctor ordered. Bolo? Uh, it's a, Do we have no, a it's a bow tie, unfortunately, but everything else is straight Aww. off the ranch. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time. So you did so, so full cowboy was alive then. Okay, it's cool. alive, and well. Yeah, bolo. It wasn't up bolo. to me. I'm a groomsman. The the groom was telling oh, us what yeah. to wear. I yeah. just picked it up. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I'm I'm gonna protest his wedding. You're gonna yeah. protest the wedding because. Yeah, because it's an insult to the cowboy uh, spirit. Well, you might have a um, point there. Having bow ties rather than bow I didn't realize so when I purchased these Wrangler cowboy cut jeans that I was making a political statement in support of my favorite rapper, Lil Nas X, but here we are. Here we are, and if you support Lil Nas X, buy Wrangler jeans, but then burn them. Yeah, uh, make sure you make a video no, of it. Nobody should wear Wranglers. What do you have against Wrangler? I honestly <laughs> don't know, because I've never really worn them before. I don't oh, have anything okay. against them. I just don't like their their style, their cut. It's just not me. But you know, pe- plenty of people would not wear the jeans that I wear. So, teach right. their own. Style's individual. I I don't care. I was just poking fun. But definitely, uh, you know, stick it to the racists. Buy some Wranglers. Make Wranglers great again. Man, you gotta be really angry to get mad about a jean company. I know your life has to just gotta, be going real it's shitty. It's got to be really real man, shitty. You got to get a hobby or something at that point. Not to tell people how to live their lives, but that just seems unhealthy. Yeah, if you are getting online and getting upset over somebody who you think is not, and I'm using air quotes here, representative of the true cowboy spirit, <laughs> um, and then you get so upset that you have to write a comment and say you're going to boycott Wrangler, um, please call into the show, uh, correct at gmail.com. Please, uh, you know, we'll get that set up and we, we can add you to this podcast because we, we want to hear, lo- we're looking, we want to yeah. pick your brain. We're looking for guests. 
Speaking of people that I would like to have as guests, I was at a uh, prestigious golf course running. And when I parked, the vehicle in front of me had not only a Hillary for Prison sticki- sticker, which... A little throwback. You know, whether little throwback or not that's sticker. Just a, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, which, you know, should Hillary Clinton be in prison? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. But um, they also had an InfoWars sticker on the back. Was yeah. it Alex Jones? <laughs> I don't think it was Alex but Jones. It was a Chevy Silverado. Um, a little bit lowered. Uh, not... I just want I wanted to see that person. I was really hoping that when I finished my run, they would be getting in their car at the same time just so I could see this person, this Alex Jones Infowars public supporter in the wild and just see what they look like and you know how they went about their life. But alas, it did not a happen. A misconnection, some would call that. Definitely. I, w- I should almost put it yes. on Craigslist and be like, hey, you. I was at, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I saw your sticker in the rear window. I would Let's just like grab to sit coffee. down and have a cup yeah. of coffee or possibly put you in front of a microphone and allow your... In front of millions of listeners. At least yeah. millions, yeah. Um, definitely. It was just... It's interesting to me because I think that's the first time outside of Austin, Texas that I've seen an InfoWars sticker on a vehicle is that big in austin that's where alex jones is mm, from oh that makes sense so. my uh my girlfriend's actually going to austin right now for a wedding random fact yeah oh yeah nice tell her to say hi to alex jones i will tell her watch out for the gay bombs they're making all the frogs gay whoa so. is that the new is that the new new it's not no. new new. It's no, old it's new, old, new for but me. It's definitely something. <laughs> Alex Jones. Uh, it was new for my wife too, because <laughs> I was like, you know, I was doing a terrible Alex Jones impression. Impression. Tower seven. We have the documents. Ooh, that's good. We have the documents. They're making the frogs gay. Ooh, but that's pretty good. It's just, yeah, it's not. But he is just something else. Something else. And she was like, "Is this, is this real?" Is this an act? Does he, like, really believe these things? I'm like, I've listened to him. Uh, shamefully, I've listened to him for five hours on a Joe Rogan podcast, two different podcasts, and he believes those things. I, yeah. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, I think it's one of those, he believes every word he's saying. I think it's one of those cases where maybe initially he was just playing a character, but he's been doing it for so long that he's now the character. That's just who he is. Yeah, I I don't think he's playing a character. I don't think so anymore. Um, based upon, based upon the stories he was telling, I th- I think he was told at a very young impressionable age that he was a special child that kind of had a little mystical powers, mm. and that imprinted on him and shaped the human being that he is today. And I mean, basically, he's been told he sees visions of things that are true that other people don't know and he believes mm. that that's setting your child up for failure it is and actually i dated a girl who was told at a very young age by a medium that she could interact with dead people and she 100 percent, 100 percent believed that she could interact with dead people and that she frequently interacted with her dead relatives 
how long did you stay in the relationship living, after that? I was living with this girl. I was living with her when she revealed this to me. How okay, you can't <laughs> I got questions. How long had you been dating her when that news was brought to your attention? So let me preface this by saying Maybe and we don't have to get into this if you don't want to. I'm just curious. No, no, we're getting we're okay. getting deep All into right. this. Um let me preface this by saying that this was a time in my life. You know how we were talking earlier about how I'm settling down. I'm you're you nesting. Know, you're boring. Uh, yeah. Nesting. You know, buying. You're a schnook. Furniture. Yeah, schnook. Yeah. Schnook. You're I'm, schnook. I, I'm. I'm a couple steps away from White New Balance. That's, That's where be we're at. <laughs> the name of this podcast. Well, this th- episode. Mike's just this time. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. This. This time in my life was the inverse of that mm. the exact opposite i was um reckless to say the least and uh this this nice young lady uh just so happened to be there during the reckless period in my life and i had a period where i got kind of my housing situation uh dissolved from underneath me and I needed a place to live, and this this nice young lady was like, "You can come Ooh, with she me." She took you in because, I, yeah, she was a she was very attracted to Wild Mike. Like, and there are some people that are attracted to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are some people that are super attracted to somebody who just does genuinely, truly does not give a fuck. I mean, I was cutting my own hair at the time. I'm still cutting my own hair, but I've gotten very, very good at it. I was cutting my own hair at that time, and I was not good <laughs> at it. It was just, <laughs> it was just terrible. And I actually met her in, um, not to give away too many details, but I met her in orientation for one of my mm. jobs, and like, we just started talking, and I was like, let's let's go get a drink huh? <laughs> at noon, at noon after yeah, the job orientation, break. and then I. And then I think I was just, like, so raw and honest and open, which I am now, but, like, in a more controlled manner, I guess. And just, she was just all about it. All about it. She's digging the vibes. uh, Yeah, we hit it off. But definitely probably, I mean, not the person I would... She had her own issues, obviously. She... At the start of the relationship, pretended to be somebody that she wasn't in order to lure me into the relationship and then slowly revealed her true nature later, which I guess you could say culminated in her revealing that she talked to dead people. That's a big reveal. (laughs) It's a big reveal. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, hmm. I live here. I don't have anywhere else to live Were you watching Sixth Sense when this came about? No, hmm. that's a yeah. weird thing. It was just like a normal conversation, and oh, by the way, very, very interesting. I wonder what she's doing now. Well, actually, I know what she's doing now, but um, I wonder how hmm. she's doing. Anyway, you know, an interesting young lady. Does she uh, want to come on a podcast? If you were to guess, <laughs> I, if, <laughs> we we could find out how she's doing. I'm not sure we're on speaking terms. Yeah, well, she exactly. Doesn't, she doesn't hate um, me yet. Yeah, and on a scale of 1 to 10, how hot do you think she was, Tommy? 
A nine, no, an eight point six. The answer is painfully, uh, yeah. painfully mm. hot. She's off the Richter scale. She was so, so incredibly hot, and I, by the end of the relationship, wanted nothing to do with her, mm. regardless of how hot she was. Just like the idea of it, like made me physically nauseous. So, yeah, just what is sounds like a sweet gal. Yeah, it just that she was the nail in the coffin as far as me dating for pleasure rather than like just like substance. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Lust over love, some would say. Yeah, exactly. She she was the final nail in the coffin. It was already headed that way. There had already been many nails put into place, um, but she like. After that, I didn't really w- waste my time interacting with people who I knew were not a good match for me long term. So, help me yeah. mature, help me be a better person, and help me to find the person who was right for me, which I thank her for. You know, like not to uh, maybe she's not to quote the great no, pho- philosopher Ariana Grande, but oh wow, thank maybe you. she's saying the same thing. On her podcast in a different part of the world, thanking you for your service so she could grow. Wow. You ever think about it like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow. Exactly. So at that point, it, it, I had developed a – because that was my last breakup too. I met my wife after her. So I had developed a breakup style that I would say is unique, and I will uh, outline that for you now. And let me know what you think about it. So when I broke up with her, I just told her we were breaking up. And I didn't tell her why. And she's like, why won't you tell me, like, what's wrong? And I said, it's because that I know that fundamentally that the person I am and the person that you are are incompatible. And I don't want you to think that there are things that you can change or fix about yourself in order to be with me because I believe that a you shouldn't do that you should be true to who you are and somebody will hopefully love you for who that person is but also that you shouldn't try to change for me because then that change won't be lasting it'll be a disingenuous change and it will either cause you to resent me or it'll fall apart in the long term so I'm not going to tell you the specifics of why I'm breaking up with you just that we're incompatible and that this doesn't work for me anymore. I respect the honesty. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I respect the honesty there. Uh, breakups are, are difficult no matter how you do it. So I think being up front and kind of ripping it off like a Band-Aid is, is probably the best approach, the more the most mature approach. Not, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking after her in the sense that you're telling her you don't want her to change just for because you want her to change she should be who she is but if she really wanted to know i don't know if there's any harm in telling her as long as you're not you know gonna backtrack on what you already said but maybe she just wanted to to know moving forward if there's some things that she can improve on and vice versa see but especially in the terms of relationships to me improvement is so subjective yeah, there's beauties in the eye of the beholder, but if there are some like blatant 
deficiencies that somebody can improve on. Well, so one of the things that I didn't like about the relationship, I mean, there are many things, but this is just right. an example that doesn't get too personal and doesn't like shit all over. Um, she, you know, first there's the thing of being disingenuous about who you are in the beginning and then revealing who you are later. That's obviously a red flag, but she was painted herself as somebody who was low maintenance and kind of tomboyish when in reality she was like extremely high maintenance and kind of a girly girl. Um, and, but that's not something that's that not, I think like I should be like, Oh yeah, change no, no, that. no, that's just who she then, is. You know? Yeah. And there's somebody that like, that's what they want. They want like a, for lack of a better term, a princess, yeah, you know, th- that's not, that's like, not a fault in her that if that's who she is, you're right. No, it's, it's not so like me sharing that with her. I don't but, think would be productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you had a problem with the fact that she pretended like she was someone who she wasn't. Definitely, but that wasn't. I wasn't breaking up with her because she pretended like she was somebody who she wasn't. I was breaking up with her because of who she was. <laughs> okay, just the income, just the <laughs> incompatibility. You know and that's a great. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, about like, as honest and organic of a breakup reason as there can be. And yeah. the worst thing you could do is, so, like you said, try to change somebody or drag it along even though you know it's not going to work, which I think a lot of people do is they just get complacent and they just, well, we've been dating for three years and I just don't want to go through a breakup and being single and finding somebody else, so I'll just put up with it. And then you have some serious issues down the line. Mm-hmm. So I, I respect the just ripping it off and ending it and being an adult about it. And I've I've done that too where I knew – that long term this wasn't gonna work and i was stringing the girl along and she was like making wedding yeah yeah you know what i'm saying and so that actually is one of the most shameful like when i think back on it actions in my life and probably i don't know a year after we broke up like called her and apologized and was like listen i know this probably doesn't mean much coming from me now but I realized, like, what a shitty thing that was to do to you. And I am, I am like, so sorry for that. And I know I can never, like, take that back or make it up to you. But I just want you to know that I've realized that I did you super dirty. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, for what it's worth. That was a good phone call. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the worst thing you could do to some, waste somebody's time. I value my time. I value other people's time. Don't waste it definitely and this all circles back to moving and stuff because it's the the mari kondo um principle if it doesn't spark joy you got to get rid of it oh that's nice we're doing that all over the place right now we're just packing things up but half of our packing is going directly into the garbage garbage. or be or how dare you or garbage depending upon the thing yeah so it's just you should do that throughout your life you know if there are things that are just weighing you down or taking up space or that you don't genuinely enjoy and participate in and use then you need to get rid of it because they're they're all like kind of like background programs running on a computer right you have all these background programs and they're taking up different portions of your ram and like if you're not using them you should close them out completely 
So that way you can devote more of your energy to things that actually 100%. I call it trimming the fat. That's what I use in my own life. If it oh, if yeah. it's not helping trimming me su- be successful moving forward or like you said joy or whatever the, the positive adjective you want to use, you got to cut it out of your life. And it sucks, it's hard, but you got to move forward. Have to. And that is one of the most difficult things for people to do, but it is one of the most productive, Mm -hmm. I think. Most beneficial in the long run, for sure. All right, from one instance of trimming the fat to another, the state of Colorado, making a lot of headlines um, recently. One for the legalization, or I guess decriminalization of psilocybin, which is interesting. But the other is for putting a cap on insulin prices. Your thoughts, Tom? I think I might be applying for the Denver Fire Department here in a little bit. Yeah, the the state They're of Colorado big things. in Denver, they are big things. Making big moves. I kind of like that. And so Colorado's the, becoming the yeah, outlaw the state. Cap, the cap on the insulin pricing is, I believe, $100 for a month's supply of insulin. And it's definitely trimming the fat because... In some cases, for some people, it was in the thousands of dollars uh, for a month's supply of insulin. And it's just egregious to me that pharmaceutical companies can price gouge people on something that is necessary for them to live. I was reading that the creator of insulin, a Canadian Dr. Frederick Banting, when he created it, or found it, discovered it, he sold the patent for like a dollar because he was like, no one deserves to take credit. No one deserves to own this. No one deserves to be able to mark this up because it's a life-saving drug. And we've gone against that and created it and ruined it. But big ups to Colorado for doing something about it in this country at least. Big ups, and hopefully other states follow suit. Hopefully there's a federal regulation regarding this, but, you know, these are the the downfalls of completely free, free and open markets because the incentives of the market are going to drive you to, like, drive that price up exponentially because... Supply and demand. You know, the demand is always going to be there because people have to have it to live. So they'll be willing to pay whatever price they can scrape together to do so. It's just an example of how with truly free markets you can have bad incentives. And some people say, oh, this is a new truly free market. There's regulation, blah, blah, all that other stuff. But if if you honestly believe that in a place with no regulations that – uh, manufacturers of insulin wouldn't drive the costs up to get the most bang for their buck regardless of how many lives it costs them, then I don't think you're looking at the situation honestly. So on to other uh, instances of pharmaceutical companies manipulating things for their advantage and benefit regardless of the cost of human lives. It's come out that OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma 
used front organizations and sponsored research to deceive the World Health Organization and corrupt global public health policies with the goal of boosting international opioid sales and profits, according to a congressional report released Thursday, May 22nd. Hold on, let me track this down. So they're using what to enhance it? Fronts? They used front organizations and sponsored research to deceive the World Health Organization. Ah, yikes. Hmm. So the findings released by representatives Catherine Clark of Massachusetts and Hal Rogers of Kentucky land as the country is still grappling with an epidemic of opioid abuse and overdoses. According to the Center for Disease Control oh, Jesus, and Prevention, opioid overdoses kill an average of 130 americans Jeez. every day where's the checks and balances for the opioid crisis there aren't a whole lot of checks and balances because pharmaceutical companies play a large role in campaign financing for a lot of individuals within our political bodies Yeah, I actually just had a friend graduate from med school yesterday, no big deal, and I made a dark joke about how he can now become the cog of the machine of the opioid crisis. Pretty sad, pretty disturbing thing to say, but unfortunately it's kind of the, the sad truth of where we are right now. What was their response? He's aware of all of this, and it's not the first time I've said that to him. He's He's not naive to the situation. He's gone into pediatric medicine, and uh, I don't know if he was thrilled about the remark, but he's also not ignorant to the situation either. Yeah, terrible situation, but um, now that it's coming to light, hopefully we can get some sort of regulation on this, some sort of education, some sort of way to combat the crisis. So... That's what I'm going to post to you, Tommy. How do you fix the opiate crisis? If we gave you um, supreme dictatorial powers tomorrow, what would be your first step in combating the opioid academic epidemic? Give everyone Narcan. Uh, yeah, that's – and I don't understand the resistance to that in a lot of states. Some states it's available um, over-the-counter in pharmacies. Even as an EMS provider, the there's weird protocols for it. Yeah, what's the resistance? I don't get that. I don't you, understand the pushback. You can't misuse it. It, I don't know. I don't know. If you're not familiar with Narcan, Naloxone, it's the anti-opioid medication. If someone overdoses, you can administer it intranasally, and it acts as it atta attaches to the opioid in your system, so it nullifies it, and essentially will save somebody's life. And there's almost no contraindication. You can't overdose it. It's already uh, drawn up in the medication. So any layperson could administer it without any contraindication. But for some reason, it's not available everywhere. And even some EMS providers and protocols for their counties aren't able to administer it. It's, it's very strange. Very, very strange.
it doesn't make sense to me. I don't. I mean, it, it's probably. I kind of said that tongue in cheek about giving everyone it. I mean, it it should be widely available, but I don't think that's the actual answer to the opioid crisis. I think that's that's a reaction, not something that would help it out. Definitely, in the short term, it would stop or, or, or lessen the number of deaths due to opioid abuse, but it wouldn't stop the problem of the underlying right. abuse. It goes deeper than that, much deeper. Uh, time machine, maybe. Yeah. That might help. Um, uh, federal legalization uh, yeah, of marijuana. Yeah, I think definitely cannabis, THC, CBD all have medicinal benefits, but that's... Especially in pain control. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what opioids are supposed to help. Uh Without the negative consequences, you can smoke as much weed as you want. I encourage that. You will I not endorse die. that. <laughs> you Please will not do. die. Well, not too much, but just enough. To quote the uh, the great Joe Rogan, uh, the only way you're going to die, or the only way that marijuana is going to kill you is if it falls out of a CIA drug and hits you on the head. That's deep. Did that happen? Yep. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. But yeah. What would be your uh, so, uh, be your uh, solution? Yeah, that would be my yeah. solution. Is literally legalizing marijuana and uh having doctors prescribe it as pain control instead in the place of um Did I tell you I've in the place of oxycotton. I've tried to stop using the word marijuana. I try to use the word cannabis. Cannabis because it's marijuana so many yeah, negative connotations. I've had this I've had this exact same conversation with my wife and with other people, but I don't think I've no. had with you yet. It's that's what I'm trying to. I heard somebody have that discussion the other day. I forgot what I was looking at, and I was like, "That makes a lot of sense. That actually makes perfect sense." Cannabis sounds much more, for lack of a better term, sophisticated, or like it actually has more medical. But marijuana just sounds like so negative and like an arrest a, a drug bust cartels it, it's somehow related to all of that even though it shouldn't be but it is yeah in the etymology i don't know if rogan is a reliable source but it was supposed to mean wild mexican tobacco and was just used as kind of a slang derogatory term to make it seem scarier than it actually was. I believe it. Yeah, Rogan is yeah not a fan of it either, but it, I think we need to create some t-shirts that say make marijuana cannabis Ooh. again and <laughs> sell those because I think they would crush. What's that abbreviation? Makes... Yeah, it's not a great abbreviation. Make cannabis. Make marijuana cannabis again? Yeah, it's a rough one. Yeah. Mka. Mka. Mm, M no, squared. It's not C-A. Good. That's a tough one. We'll work on it. Go to the drawing board Maybe. with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. We'll get it going. Would Hunter S. Thompson be proud be of the state of Colorado? Definitely. Yeah. He definitely would. Um, yeah. I think he'd be happy with the with the direction that Colorado is heading, and hopefully other states will follow suit. You know, Colorado was the front runner for a lot of things, and you know Washington has kind of followed in their footsteps. 
and Oregon. So hopefully other ones fall as well. But, uh, would you consider yeah. Colorado, like, geographically, where would you put the state of Colorado? Midwest. How did Colorado become somewhat uh, so progressive compared to the states around it? The population you outside can't Denver. Touch. Yeah, yeah. It's touching, you know, a lot of the Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Texas. Well, not Texas. Close to Texas. Yeah, I don't know how Denver became so liberal. Um, but I do know that while Denver is very progressive, you could say, there are definitely, I mean, the majority of the square mileage of Colorado, mm-hmm. if you took each square mile individually, the majority of those square miles are very, very red. Boulder as well, small, though. small concentrated. Yeah, there's they're the small concentrated areas like Denver, like Boulder. I feel um, like Fort Collins are, just because of fat tire, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, beard doesn't uh, necessarily make people uh, progressive. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But the, you know, the overall population of Colorado is 5.6 million ish, and then Denver is like almost a million of that. Mm. Denver and the surrounding area is almost a million of that. So. Those combined with the other areas tend to outnumber the redder parts of the state. I don't know. And the capital being in that extremely blue area would influence the people who are in the the positions of power there. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how they do it, Just but they're making some changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Should we get into sports? Yeah. Talk sports. NBA playoffs? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. NBA playoffs. So, did you watch the Raptors Bucks last night? I did. Sure did. I watched. And what were your thoughts? Kawhi doing amazing things on one leg. And I think they'll win this in six. They'll go back to Toronto and, and, and win the series. Yeah, I can't guarantee that, but it, it looks that way. And you know why it's that way? It's not Kawhi it's, Leonard. Do you know who the real star of this D-R-A-K-E. series is? Drake. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. No, it is a former guard from Wichita State. Van Fred Fleet. Van Fleet. <laughs> The man is ridiculous. Do you know, guess his three-point percentage in the series against Milwaukee? 42%. You're a little low, Tommy. 63.2% from the three-point line. It's impressive. <laughs> oh, 16 points per game coming off the bench in the in the three games against Milwaukee. I don't understand why they're not just putting him behind the three-point line and just passing it to him every time. Every time. The pride of Wichita. Insane. The pride of Wichita. Just coming through in the clutch for them. Because, I mean, outside of Kawhi and Van Fleet, I mean, the Raptors didn't really have super inspiring games 
from the rest of their supporting cast. But it's good. I'm glad. It's kind of historic for Toronto. They have the chance to go to the NBA Finals for the first time to break the Drake curse, the first of many sports teams, MMA fighters, to do so. Um, we got to get rid of that Drake curse, man. It's just its not going to happen this year. Juju. But going to the finals, do you think going to the finals would break the Drake curse? I mean, your goal is to win the championship, so no. I mean, that's a great accomplishment to win your conference, but the goal is to win the finals. So they got to win the and whole gonna thing. they're going to walk into an effing buzzsaw in the finals. Yeah, <laughs> I told you that Portland series was not going to be You were good. right. I didn't I think they were you. just going to roll over and get swept, though. I thought they would win one or two at home. Yeah, the Warriors are just... You know, firing on all. Are they better with right or without Durant? I think they're more motivated without Durant. You know, because like the skill level is there, but I think you kind of get complacent when you have that many superstars on the on the court. And you're like, ah, we've got like you know, some we have on the court at any one time four different players who could completely change the game um so you don't try as hard there's there's this weird thing so las vegas sports betting there is almost always uh after after an injury to one of the main players on the team the team then that had that injury then beats the spread in the next couple of games because they're like more motivated because that player Hmm. went down yeah i feel like with durant on the court the rest of the guys can just be like, well, he's got the ball. He'll score. And then not necessarily run the entire set or play to their fullest capability. But without him on the court, kind of working better together as an entire team. Yeah, it, it's almost like they have to play team ball without Durant. And with Durant, like, you could just play Durant ball. You could just play Steph ball. You could just play Clay ball. You know, just you just give it mm-hmm. to the hot hand and have them go whereas it seems to be a more unified effort uh once they're down a superstar too yeah exactly it's almost like how uh o- oklahoma state back in the day when they had jesus they had russell westbrook kevin durant and james harden <laughs> they wouldn't start harden they'd bring oklahoma him off the city bench. yeah when, yeah oklahoma city i say oklahoma state my i was like damn uh i'm gonna have to go to the record books here who did, who did they have you're talking about like the football team <laughs> they must it must oh, have they had Mark. The they had Marcus Smart. Jeez. Yeah, they had Marcus Smart. <laughs> yeah, right. that guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so just, we'll, uh, Yeah, you can't call the Drake curse dead yet. I guess. But I would give it to him. I would say get into the finals. It breaks the Drake yeah. curse. Yeah. Did you see the Bucks coach talking about Drake on the court, on the sideline? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'd get annoyed too. Yeah. Drake is just I don't know. He act uh, he's too involved in the whole process for yeah. me. Like we shouldn't be talking about you. You you're a fan of the team. You're not playing in the game. We shouldn't be talking about you. So if you're doing stuff that we're talking about you, <laughs> you're doing too much. You're probably behaving. Yeah, you're doing too much. Do less. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fandom, but 
I feel like you're trying to overshadow the people on the court who are actually working to get this done, and we shouldn't be talking about you. Nope, we should be talking about Fred right. Van Fleet. Like, I appreciate the the Jack Nicholson's out there and those types of sideline people that are just kind of staples for the sport, but you don't see him running. Yeah, just a nice camera yeah. shot, and then yeah, that's fun. it. You know, no headlines, no, you know, no main attention drawn away from the game, just, you know, a nice pan of the camera to capture Jack Nicholson and whatever hot young woman who looks like his granddaughter but it's actually his date yeah Yeah. super weird super weird it's hollywood i don't know i don't think i'd ever be that way because like and not to well kind of to judge people who do but just for me like even right now so i'm 29 years old and the idea of dating an 18 year old makes me throw up in my mouth it's a little creepy um but not illegal it's not only cre- it's not only creepy, but it's not appetizing at mm. all to me. Like to have somebody who's that immature and like. I don't think he's. I don't think like he's bringing these girls because he loves their conversation that they're engaged in. Although he might. No, definitely not. But it's like, I don't know. I got sick of that. Living in Vegas, putting down, you know, the numbers that pale in comparison to whatever Nicholson's putting down. And I got sick of it pretty darn quick, you know, tough life. Like you would think, you would think he, you know, with the astronomical numbers, I'm sure Jack Nicholson has put down in his many years in Hollywood. Like, don't you get tired of it? I don't know. Maybe not. Some people party until they die. You know, yeah, it's a certain Mick type Jagger of still going yeah, strong. That, that guy can't die. <laughs> He might have figured out that if you just never get hung over, you never right. suffer the ill the consequences. Of youth. <laughs> Keep drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, great, great series. I hope Toronto closes it out just for the storyline and then Milwaukee can have their year next year um, because they're only going to get better. You know, with those young players, you think they'd just keep improving. Um I would love to see Toronto beat the Golden State Warriors just for a different story. Probably won't happen. Um, but, yeah, great NBA season so far. So. Hockey? Yeah, <laughs> hockey. I mean, sure. Why Bruins not? Sharks? Or Bruins Blues, rather? Yeah, interesting series. Bruins Blues. There's a lot of alliteration there. Not super interested in it. Being from Southern Illinois, I have a lot of friends who are diehard Blues fans, but they only come out of the woodwork when they're winning, which has been quite frequently lately. Hmm. So, sounds about right. Are you rooting one no, way or the I'm other? No dog in the fight. Not a big NHL guy, but I respect the playoffs and the sport in general. But I'll uh, I'll keep an eye on this f- series from afar. Definitely. And, like, that's the – I feel so indifferent to it. And then I pulled up ESPN, and the main, like, article right below – so the second main article is, whom should you root for in the Stanley <laughs> Cup final? <laughs> uh, yeah, people don't even know who to root for. It's just like people 
people don't yeah. care. They're like, oh, yeah. I would probably assume most people Whatever. are going to root for the Blues because Boston's already won the Super Bowl and the World Series in the last 365 days. Yeah, rough being yeah. a Boston sports fan. Rough. Yeah, tough life. They haven't had a parade in 125 days. No. Just rough life. Rough life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for NHL. Do you have anything <laughs> in NFL? Do you want to move on to before I go off on a tangent on fighting? No, and NFL's in OTAs right now, but not nothing I need to report on, nothing I need to vent, vent about. And Dominic Sue. Getting that big yeah, deal. Yeah. Not big deal, but... No biggie. Yeah. 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 So, on to fighting. Uh, we had some pretty big fights last weekend. And we'll start with the smaller of the two in both popularity and the size of the fighters involved. Nawia Inouye with an emphatic stoppage of Emmanuel Rodriguez. I mean, the dude looks like a buzzsaw. Just going through people and... Man, he looks unstoppable, and I wonder where his his train will stop because he'll just keep jumping in weight classes. Does he does he reach Lomachenko? Does he get up to Lomachenko and we see an anyway Lomachenko fight? I would I hope so. Um, but we'll see where he goes from here. He is fighting Nodino Donaire um, in the final of the world's. World Boxing Super Series at 118 pounds. I fully expect him to treat Donaire as disrespectfully as he has his last several opponents and just destroy him inside a couple rounds. So, interesting. Did you see that at all? I watched the, the highlight, the the KO at the end of that fight, and he looks like he's fighting with the video and fast forward it's incredible how fast he is and then to also have the power that he possesses is pretty remarkable and how much weight do you think he can go up naturally that's a good question i mean he is tall and young right so that's two things he has going for him at his current weight class he's He's 5'5", which is relatively tall for 118 pounds. Um, for reference, Lomachenko's 5'7", and he's only 26 years old. So he has he has time to gain weight. He has the frame to add to. I think 135 is definitely a stretch for him because Lomachenko's at 135, and he looks small. 130 is probably his realistic ceiling. Um. But, you know, maybe Lomachenko come down to 130, a weight class he's occupied before, and they could do it there, which I'd, I'd love to see. But th- that's getting way ahead of ourselves. We have, you know, he's at 118, so he still has 122, 126, and then 130 to get to. But I don't see that being out of the realm of possibility. Like I said, he's only 26. He has plenty of time, plenty of time in his career to move up and to – you know, decimating those weight classes, his power has carried over every time he's gone up, and it looks devastating at 118. So it would definitely be a something to deal with at 122. It, when you get into the 126, 130 territory, that's when you start getting the question marks of whether or not that power will carry over. But he will still have that speed advantage going up in weight. So. Do you know where in where he trains out of? 
Is he in training out of Japan? Yeah, he trains out of Japan, and I believe he's trained by his father. Is there a big boxing scene in Japan? There is at the lighter weight classes. Um, at the lighter weight classes, you know, Kenshiro mm. is the 112-pound champion um, in a way. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of smaller fighters who are world-class and closer to the top ranks of boxing. It's just, I don't know if it's the size of the people in Japan or what, but you, you tend to get less and less as you go up in the higher weight classes. Yeah. So. I just, yeah, I don't hear a whole lot about Japanese boxers, but then they have num- arguably one of the pound-for-pound pound best fighters in the world. Yeah, it's it's tough because nobody really talks about the lower weight classes at all, period. Um, in a way, it's kind of like, I would say the first guy outside of Guillermo Rigondeau to be talked about below 118 pounds. Do you think yeah, anyway... I, I can't think of... Can sell tickets? I was going to ask, do you think he's promotable? Do you think he can sell tickets? I mean, for the boxing purist, for sure. I mean, definitely. In Japan, I mean, he's selling tickets. And I think if more people get exposed to him and his fights, he could. Uh, But he just won't sell as well as the higher weight class. It's just the way it is. But for some reason, people do not. They're just not as interested when you have little guys. Could in he that. like headline an MGM Grand Card in a couple of years? De- definitely. Okay. Definitely, he could headline the MGM Grand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's getting a lot of heat right now. Steve Kim uh, of the Three Knockdown Rule of ESPN. He just wrote an article of why Naoya Inouye is his number one pound for pound fighter mm-hmm. now after his performance against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Which I think Lomachenko would have something to say about that. Or Terrence Crawford. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because in a way, is fighting top level competition at his weight classes. People just don't tend to give those weight classes as much credit. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 conflicted. He he is a three weight world champion. Um, he he is undefeated. He is stopping people in impressive fashion but so are those other guys if you look at the level of opposition i would say out of those three probably lomachenko has the best resume but lomachenko is not beating people as impressively as in a way is i mean in a way is blowing them out i mean in the fight before this against uh against juan carlos piano I mean, he he knocked him out with the first two punches he threw. Those were the first two punches he threw. KO. And then stopping Emmanuel Rodriguez in the second round, an undefeated fighter who had made it to the semifinals of World Boxing Super Series, um, a well-regarded fighter by most uh, boxing analysts, and he just destroys him. Before that, Jamie McDonnell, a extremely well-regarded fighter, um, stopped him in the first round. I mean, he, in his past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights, he hasn't gone beyond the the sixth round with world-class fighters. So, 
impressive. Does he is he signed? But does he have a contract with Dazen? Dazen. Yes. The zone. The zone. Dazen. 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 I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't really care to find out. But yes, he does. Um, so he, you know, they kind of have a built-in audience because of Canelo, because of Anthony Joshua, that sort of thing. So hopefully more people just get exposed to him. That service isn't catching on in the mainstream at all. Um, I don't know anybody who's not a boxing head who has a zone description. Mm-hmm. Can't think of one person. I mean, do you know anybody? No. If I most people that I talk to about Dawson have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, they, most people don't even know yeah. exists. Um, outside of maybe some obscure, you know, soccer fans and uh, boxing fans. That's that's pretty much it. So. It'll be interesting. He won't get the same exposure he would, say, if he was on ESPN. But um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Hopefully, they can do some cross-promotion, but that has proved difficult um, in the past. Getting fighters from, like, say, ESPN and zone to fight each other or PBC and ESPN or vice versa. You mm-hmm. know, we, we have that problem with in many different weight classes with many different fighters. But anyway. And also that weekend was Deontay Wilder, the only American heavyweight champion, 40-0-1, improved to 41-0-1, and stopping Dominic Brazil in terrifying fashion. Did you see this? Yeah, that was a – well, I saw the knockout. Brutal knockout. Especially after what – Deontay Wilder said before the fight about boxing being the only sport where you can kill a man. And then he went out and damn near did it. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that, man. I'm not a fan of saying that you want a body on your record and stuff like that. It's just Yeah, it's it's too much for pretty me. Pretty disturbing for sure. But is it just part of the fight game and building up the fight and promoting it and getting numbers? It definitely is because that that him saying that got so much press before the fight, and then afterwards in the ring he's like, you know, I just want it to all be love, you know, that two guys who have issues can get in there and fight and then be okay afterwards. And like, I'm like, you just said you wanted to kill him (laughs) before this. (laughs) Yeah. How do you justify those two ideas? But. And in a weird, w- it's entertaining. Yeah. In a weird way, fighting is actually a, kind of a respectful sport, and it's all about respecting your opponent. But then there's also the fight game itself, and kind of the new generation, new era that McGregor brought in with trash talking your opponent. Well, reinvigorated. He didn't invent it, but reinvigorated it. Yeah, and. Deontay Wilder is definitely taking that on because he's not as popular as he should be. He's very popular. But, like, to have an American heavyweight champion who's just, like, knocking people dead all the time, he should be much more popular than he is. Yeah, you I don't know? think unless you're following the fight game very well that he would r- come up in most people's conversation about boxing, at least with people I talk to about. Yeah, and w- which is strange to me because heavyweight – 
has always been the weight class that people look Definitely. to the most. And we have an American who is just, like I said, just winning very, very impressively. It seems like more right. people will get behind like that. Like Tyson was but everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's not much different. Right, but it, you know, I, nowhere I, near the popularity or like crossing platforms outside of boxing. Mm-hmm. It's not like his fights are cultural events within the United States where, like, you know, you're asking people who don't even really follow boxing, you know, are you going to the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Deontay Wilder fight? It's just not mm-hmm. happening. So, And hopefully, hopefully we can see him fight, you know, the cross-promotional issues that we were talking about. I need that rematch versus Tyson Fury. I need him to fight Anthony Joshua. He is getting older. I think he's 35. I would just really like to see him fight those guys. Because I, I, I think that would solidify the the legacy of whoever comes out on top of those three. You know, heavy heavyweight boxing is so... we In the past, it hasn't had as much parity as it does does right now i mean klitschko reigned for so long that people just got sick and tired of the heavyweight division not only because he was just winning but because his style of fights were not the most entertaining to the casual Mm -hmm. viewer but right now we have guys who are extremely entertaining to the casual viewer anthony joshua knocks people dead deontay wilder knocks people dead tyson fury what a story doesn't (laughs) necessarily yeah doesn't necessarily knock people dead but is entertaining in his mm-hmm. own way, in the build-up and within the ring, and it's, it's just weird to me that more people aren't on top of this. Yeah. But how they does Wilder know who he's fighting next? He doesn't know for sure who he's fighting next. I'm trying is to there think. Luis Ortiz. Who it would be? They're thinking about that rematch. Definitely. Um, some people are saying that they might make the Fury fight happen after this. Um, yeah. I mean, it'll probably be Louis Ortiz or Tyson Fury. I would hope. I hope it's Tyson Fury because really the Louis Ortiz fight, Louis Ortiz is probably anywhere from 48 to 72. <laughs> He looks closer to seventy-two. Yeah, Yeah. he he has not looked well in his, or he hasn't looked as impressive in his fights um, post the Deontay Wilder fight. Getting knocked out at that age probably takes you know a toll on you. His actual listed age is forty, and that's a Cuba forty. And if you don't know what I mean by a Cuba forty, look at the Little League World Series. I don't know yeah. what to say to you. Dan- Danny Almonte, <laughs> sir. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it'd still be a good fight. Um, a better fight than a lot of the other fights that could be made for Wilder right now. But really, that Fury fight, it's what I want to see. Give me the Fury rematch, please. Please let me see that and then let the winner of that fight Anthony Joshua. That's what I want. I'm down for that little setup. Speaking of Anthony Joshua, he fights on June 1st against Andy Ruiz, who is a plus 1,700 underdog. 
Anthony Joshua is minus thirty four hundred. Um, definitely value in the dog on this. Really? <laughs> Just because. Minus 3,400. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's plus 1,700. I mean, Anthony Joshua should win this fight by all means. But at plus 1,700 odds, I don't know what the implied percentage of that is. But I don't think Anthony Joshua is greater than like 90% to win this fight. I think Andy Ruiz has a 1 in 10 chance. To eke this one out, this f- especially since we've seen Joshua have problems with guys who are kind of slick, faster boxers, such as Joseph Parker in the past. Um, Andy Ruiz is a slick, faster heavyweight who has had discipline issues in the past, but seems to be moving in a positive direction in his most recent fights. Is this at Madison Square Garden? Or do they move um, it back? I think so because they were trying to m- they're trying to bring him over to the U.S. Let me see. Because we haven't seen him fight outside of London in quite a while, if ever. I, I don't think he right. ever has. So I that think, might. Um, they were trying to bring him over to the U.S. Yeah, it's Madison. Madison. So he's Square making Garden. his debut in America. Um, That's a factor. Yeah. Ex- exactly, and it was originally supposed to be against Jarrell Miller. Uh, undefeated United States heavyweight, but uh, Miller popped for lots of performance-enhancing drugs, so that fight got squashed, and Andy Ruiz has come in on semi-late notice to replace him. Um, It's still an interesting fight. I still think uh, it's a unique challenge for Joshua, given Ruiz's size and boxing ability. Um, You know, he is a smaller, slicker heavyweight, very similar to Joseph Parker. And so we'll see how that goes. But I expect Joshua to win, but have some trouble with Ruiz throughout the fight. Solid. Then in the UFC world, um, we don't really need to get super in-depth, but... Kevin Lee, a little... He's just kind of been disappointing for me as a fighter. Um, He was kind of labeled as the new hotness and just seems to keep getting submitted. So he's to shore up that area of his game, definitely. But props to Rafael Dos Anjos to... He's still doing the damn thing. You know, he's consistently been at the top of both lightweight and welterweight for... Know, damn near a decade and it, that's tough to do in MMA and he has had setbacks and a lot of times fighters have those setbacks and they get deterred and they get discouraged and their career just slides into oblivion Rafael Dos Anjos is not that guy it shows what sort of a person he is what sort of a fighter he is that he's able to come back from defeats and improve and have better performances so I Props think it was the facial hair, the mustache, kind of reinvigorated his his career. A little definitely, I dig cul- the mustache. Cultural, uh, not cultural, a little identity change never hurt somebody's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something to that. Yeah, I think facial hair, you know, gives you a little more Just life. Switches it up a gives little bit. You yeah. So that was good to see. Um, don't really have a whole lot coming up in the UFC. I mean, you have Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Smith, but 
I mean, do we really need to see that fight? It's just the the battle, the consolation fight of John Bones Jones losers. The the battle of the also rans. Um, yeah. Eh. And also, you know, Ilir Latifi, Volkan Ozdemir, just just people who are in the middle of the light heavyweight division who are never going to be champ as long as John Jones is reigning. So, not very, um, not very enticing for me. That's also on June first. Not really any other fight on that card that I particularly want to talk about. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. We're kind of in a lull right now. It's summer, you know. The NBA Finals are going on. The NHL Stanley Cup is going on. People are going on vacations. It's just kind of a lull in the fight game. Yeah, it right happens. Now. Um, yeah, definitely. That's good. Well, anything else? I think I'm all set. As am I. Everything. Um, yeah, it's good. Good topics. A lot of. Uh, a lot of life stuff. Yeah, huh? we're going through changes. Stuff. Going through yeah. changes. Change is good. The times they, they are, are changing. All good things must come to an end. Yep. Well, thank you for listening. And until Absolutely. next time, this is the Bro Liquid Correct Podcast for Tommy, I'm Mike, and we'll see you next Take time. Take care.